So I should start first by saying, should go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. For me, the greatest benefit of a Catholic education is the opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus through the Catholic Church. That's just my baseline. But there are a lot of benefits for Catholic families and non-Catholic families that are not included there. So the point of this talk is to try to talk about the other benefits of a Catholic education. As I was writing the talk, I thought we should probably talk very briefly about the history of Catholic education because that helps us understand the mission of a Catholic school. In the United States, Catholic education started with two purposes. The first was to educate the underprivileged or the marginalized. So Catholic schools were the first schools to educate Native Americans. They were the first schools to educate slaves. They were the first schools to educate freed slaves. They were the first school to educate a lot of other marginalized people. Immigrant communities come to mind. A lot of them were Catholic, and they ended up at Catholic schools. And so a big part of the Catholic school's mission in the beginning in the United States was to serve the underserved. Second, Catholic schools existed because in a Protestant-majority country, not every school system was friendly to Catholics. There were school boards that were sometimes anti-Catholic, and what was being taught in the school, they didn't have the same sort of religious neutrality we do in our schools today. So a lot of times, public schools also taught the Christian faith, and they would teach it from a denominational perspective. And so parish schools started as a way for Catholics to have a school system that was friendly to their faith, where they could um, do that. Unfortunately, since the very beginning, partly starting with the Protestant school boards and now with the secular school boards, people have been against public funding for Catholic schools. And so Catholics have always had to fund their own educational system, but we've done so successfully so far. Now, given those two mission statements, the first one is harder for us to do today. We want to. We desire to serve the underserved, the underprivileged, those who might not have access to quality education. But because of the lack of public funding and because of the increase in educational costs, it's harder, right? You all have to pay tuition. Tuition is hard, and it puts Catholic education out of the reach of especially underprivileged people. Now, we have organizations like the Fulcrum Foundation that are trying to create scholarships so that we can continue to live out that mission. But it's hard for us to say that in the United States today, the primary mission of Catholic education is to serve the underprivileged. We're just not able to do it financially. But it's still a desire of ours. That second mission continues, though. The idea of making a safe space for Catholics. The anti-Catholicism of previous generations is not the same as it is today. Today, any sort of opposition to the Catholic faith usually looks more political or polemical rather than like, we just don't like Catholics because they smell bad. Right? It's a little different today. But there are definitely people who would say it is harder for Catholics to feel comfortable in a school system or maybe the school system is teaching things that don't quite fit with the faith. So that part of Catholic education continues. But since the education costs rose and since tuition made it harder for every family to access Catholic education, we've had to have a hard conversation about what is the mission of a Catholic school? What do we actually do? So, like I said, my baseline is the most beneficial part of a Catholic education is the possibility of a relationship with Jesus. However, the Catholic Church and her institutions always respond to the needs of the time. So if we ask, what are the needs or the problems in society today, we can ask, 
how does a Catholic education speak to those needs? Because Catholics are not the only one who feel those needs, right? Everybody feels those needs. And if a Catholic school can speak to those needs, it can also speak to families, even if they're not Catholic. The benefits of a Catholic education benefit even people who don't necessarily share the Catholic faith. So I have my own kind of taxonomy of what's wrong with the world today. I'm going to talk about three things. These might not be the same three things that you think is wrong with the world today. And I apologize for that, but I had to structure my talk somehow, and so I picked three things. (laughs) Number one, increased polarization. Now, this country had a civil war, so we are not the most polarized we've ever been because we do not currently have a civil war. But since 1865, we may be the most polarized we've been since that time. And people are rightly concerned that that polarization falls generally now along geographical and economic lines. It's a problem. How do we fight polarization? In my mind, the best thing we can possibly do is to increase intellectual empathy. Can you think like the person who disagrees with you? Can you get into the head of somebody that you do not agree with? That's intellectual empathy. I really think that Catholic education can speak to the ability to do that because the Catholic Church is present in every culture in the world today. We have to keep in one communion, right, under Rome, in one communion, all of the countries of the world. Western European nations, North American nations, South American nations, African nations, they have very different approaches to things. If you watch UN debates, all of these people disagree with each other on all of these different things, depending on where they're coming from and their cultural assumptions. Somehow, the Catholic Church has to keep all of those people in the same church. They have to keep all of those people together worshiping the same faith. In an ideal world, that should inform us. People who are affected by the Catholic Church should, if we're doing our jobs right, should be able to think like people that they are not like. But it goes even deeper than that. There's a form of solidarity that is present. So I'll give you an example here, and I don't mean to make a political statement, it's just the example that I have. One of the great blessings of my life was being able to spend nine weeks in the Holy Land, in Israel and Palestine. A lot of things going on in Israel and Palestine. So when I prepared for the trip, my political biases were kind of on the Israeli side of the equation. I'm from the United States. The United States is a democracy that operates under certain principles. Israel seems to be that democracy in the Middle East. Okay, fine. Natural political bias for most Americans showing up in the Middle East. But then I get there, and we stay our first three weeks in the West Bank. And it turns out, in the Holy Land, if you're looking for a Catholic, you don't look in Israel, you look in the West Bank because all of the Catholics are Arabs. And so that kind of forced me to rethink a lot of things for myself, because, you know, I can identify politically, I can identify as American, but when I'm identifying as a Catholic, the people that I feel united to are the people I worshipped with at St. Catherine's Parish in Bethlehem, right? The people I shared Eucharist with. And all of them were on the other side of the wall between Jerusalem and the West Bank. Regardless of where I fall on the political issue today, that solidarity with people was deeper than just trying to appreciate them for who they are, right? Appreciating other cultures, appreciating people for their human dignity, that's important, and we want everybody to do that. But the fact that I had this 
deep religious unity, this deep solidarity with these people, means that as we're praying for peace in the Middle East, as we're thinking about the Middle East, as we're thinking about Israel and Palestine, I actually have very specific people in mind. They are the people that I worshipped with in Jerusalem or in Bethlehem. And so that solidarity amongst cultures, that ability to say, I am united to these people, it should affect everything that the Catholic Church does. When we teach, we should be able to teach with that level of solidarity. When we talk about other people, we should talk about them not as voyeurs looking in on another culture, but as people who are part, like we are in a sense part of their culture and they're part of our culture. That solidarity matters a lot. There's another type of empathy that matters too, though, and that's the empathy of time. So G.K. Chesterton talked about the democracy of the dead. And he said it's lived out in the Catholic Church because we give a vote even to the people who are dead, which is to say the Catholic Church operates out of tradition. We are ideally an amalgamation of ideas formed through every era of human history as well as every culture of human history. And so when we're teaching, we should be able to teach with the same sort of solidarity with the past. It's pretty common today, and, and there are reasons for it. I can't look bad on those reasons. It's pretty common today to say previous generations didn't know what they were doing. We are the most advanced and most intelligent and most um, just society that's ever existed. And everybody that came before us was flawed in some way. The good reason for that is humanity has made mistakes, right? In the United States, slavery was our original sin. And we say original sin because it affects everything else later, just like theological original sin affects everything that comes afterward. And so the idea that previous generations would have accepted slavery leads us to accept that previous generations should be ignored or were stupid somehow. That's at least the impression that I got in my education. And so the Catholic Church, while acknowledging human sin and while saying, yeah, we messed up in the past, also tries to hold in tension the fact that previous generations also have something to teach us. The fact that there was a Catholic culture for a millennium in Europe means that there's something going on in that era that we can learn from. Or the fact that Christianity was formed in the crucible of the Roman Empire means that we need to learn about the Romans. We need to know something about these people. And not just, again, studying somebody that is separate from us, but it's, in a sense, studying us. These are people that shared many of our same ideas And we're looking not just for what was different between us and them, but what's common between us and them. What are the things that they have passed on to us that is good and that we can appreciate? So again, the benefit here is anybody, Catholic or not, who studies the Catholic faith should, and if we're doing our jobs right, is introduced into solidarity with other cultures, other generations, seeing them as people who can teach us something and seeing them as not just fellow human beings, but people with whom we share something very, very deep, something that matters. Okay, societal problem number two. Relativism slash self-interest. So my story here is, does anybody know who the pharma bro is? Okay, there was a guy that was referred to as the pharma bro. For whatever reason... The pharma bro got that name because he bought a pharmaceutical company 
specifically with certain patents on certain necessary medications. And he raised the price of that medication 5,600%. Like, he was a 56 times more expensive after he bought that medication because he knew how to work the copyright laws. He was pilloried in the news because we all knew that he did something bad, right? It's bad to force people to pay more for medication. One of the problems we're running into in society, though, is we're struggling more and more to say why it's bad because we're struggling more and more to define a value system. It's just difficult today. He was using the capitalist marketplace. He was operating within the laws of the state. He was doing right by his shareholders, although he might have been the sole shareholder, so maybe we can't use that argument, right? But there are all these things we talk about where, okay, he's playing according to the rules. It's just really, really gross the way he's using that. Without a comprehensive value system, we're struggling more and more in American society to say what's right and what's wrong. And it's causing problems. It's causing problems in our political debate because now it's hard for us to say what is a political question on which people of goodwill can disagree and what is a moral question where I basically condemn the people who disagree with me. More and more political questions are taking on moral overtones and moral overtones are becoming political questions. It's just mixing together to the detriment of our society. It's hard. What does Catholic education say to this? Well, one of the things we emphasize for everybody is virtue. Every student who walks into this school and hopefully every Catholic school in the United States and the world is taught that they're beautiful and good in the eyes of God, but also that they can be better, that God created them to be this wonderful person and that there is work to be done between where they are and where they can go. That is still present in many educational institutions. There's this idea of development, but it's not always development with a goal. What is the goal of development of the human person? Is it so that they're employable? Marx would have something angry to say about that, right? Are we just training people to fit into a capitalist system? Is it so that they kind of align with American democratic ideals? Do we even know what our ideals are anymore? It's hard to say. The Catholic Church has maintained a virtue view of the world where we say, okay, our goal of human development is to create you or to help you become the person God created you to be. That there is still a pretty comprehensive moral view of the human person. And we're really invested in helping our students develop into that view. Again, our view is shaped by Jesus. But you don't have to share a belief in Jesus to believe in the moral system that we subscribe to. The idea of virtues is informed by the democracy of the dead. It starts with Aristotle, who did not have Christian faith. We read the Nicomachean Ethics when we decide what the Catholic faith teaches. And then that has been developed through the Romans, through the medievals. This idea of virtue is perennial, and we have 2,000 years of people thinking about what makes a good human person. And we're not moving away from that 2,000 years of wisdom. We're staying rooted in it. The final issue that society is dealing with right now is nihilism. If you work with high schoolers, if you work with young adults, you'll realize I'm 31, so I am still within the young adult category. But now there are like a generation and a half that's younger than me, which is a little disturbing. 
my generation and then even more so in the generation after me and then after me are dealing with what I would call a mental health crisis. If you talk to people in high schools, there is so much depression. There is so much anxiety. There's just these things that we're hearing coming out of our high schools. And the high schools are a reflection of what happens before, also the pressure of high school. And then it doesn't stop there. It continues. I know a lot of young adults who are still dealing with a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety. There is legitimate mental issues, right? There's legitimate mental illness that happens, right? Sometimes it can't be blamed on anything. But the increase in it tells me that there is something that is not serving our children well. For me, that's nihilism. It's the idea that there is no comprehensive purpose to life, that somehow we're thrown into existence, there's no real purpose to it, there's no real guiding factor to it, there's no real kind of point we're aiming toward. We're just trying to get through the day. Maybe we don't enjoy the things we're getting through. People lose their enjoyment of life. They lose any sort of goals that they have. That leads to depression and anxiety. It leads to the things that we're seeing rampant in society today. One of the benefits of Catholic education is that it still provides, as best as we can, a comprehensive worldview, right? There is a purpose to your life. There is something that you are called to do with your life. There is a God, you know, again, we can keep it generic from time to time. There is a God who is guiding things. Now, the world is fallen, so not everything is God's plan, right? God does not will disease. He does not will evil. But somehow there is an intelligence to the universe that makes things make more sense. There is some way of tying together everything that we do in a way that gives it focus. That comprehensive worldview is hard to offer today where we just can't agree on anything, right? I disagree. This is just your opinion, whatever. We can't create the comprehensive worldview. My hope is that every student who comes in here, Catholic or non-Catholic, understands that their life has a purpose, that creation has a purpose, and that everything we do is oriented towards something greater than ourselves, right? That's the goal. And I find when people have that focus outside of themselves, focus on service, if you want to call it that, focus on love of neighbor, focus on worship, whatever you want to focus on, that focus outside of themselves gives them something to live for, gives them something to look forward to, gives them some form of hope. Now, I wanted to give this talk because... I emphasize heavily Catholic, ed Catholic education and Catholic identity within Catholic education. But I want to really, really emphasize that is never done to the exclusion of or in competition with those families who come to us outside of the Catholic faith. I do it because I think the Catholic faith serves all people who walk through our doors. All people. Catholics, you know, for obvious reasons but even non-Catholics, because our society is asking some really difficult questions today. And I think the answers provided within a Catholic education are important. I have to say, Catholicism is one of the great world religions, and it's the one that was most formative in Western history. So exposure to it can only be a good. It can only help us better understand people who've come before us, people who are not like us. It can only better help us understand ourselves and who we were made to be. And so I'm hoping that 
here at Assumption, that's the mission that we live out. And I'm very glad you've decided to invest in the school and to invest in a Catholic education.